morning. My name is Minu Kim, associate pastor uh, here at St. Stephen's, and it is my joy to worship with you this morning. As Pastor uh, Spencer uh, mentioned, uh, today is a Transfiguration Sunday, uh, and today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> Let's hear the word of God. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the, the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Pray with me. Almighty God, you have brought us here, whether we are joined in person or watching online. As we listen to your word, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the past couple Sundays, we have been talking about, both Pastor Spencer and I have been talking about discipleship. The life of a baptized Christian is meant to walk this narrow path of discipleship. Baptism is not only about believing, not only about joining, but also about serving, walking, and living out the life Jesus calls us to live. I use the metaphor journeying uh, to describe this Christian faith. And in my, in my head, it was really traveling on foot as a community from point A to point B. Last week, Pastor Spencer used the metaphor of sailing to describe this journey, getting on a boat, getting familiar with its boat and its builders and its abilities, and exploring the world with the boat. Whether we are on, a, on food, in our boat, or driving our car, our Christian faith is about journeying. And our Christian identity is about us becoming people on the move. We are always on the move, following the way who is Jesus Christ. In this metaphor of journeying, a mountaintop plays a significant role. And, it, it, and it, this mountaintop will be equivalent to a crow's nest of a ship. By removing ourselves from the surface level, both on a mountaintop or on a crow's nest, 
These give us the widest field of view for lookouts, helping us to see what is coming, what is ahead of us, and what we would expect, we should expect and prepare for. By distancing ourselves from our surface level, we get to have more of an objective view of where we are. And by retreating ourselves from the surface level, we get to take a breather in quietness and solitude and reorient ourselves for what is next. And of course, by moving ourselves away from the surface level, we feel like we are an inch closer to God. In the Gospels, we see Jesus often going up the mountain by himself to pray, removing himself from the crowds, from his everyday ministry, and even from his disciples. It was his spiritual discipline, repeatedly finding time alone up on the mountain to connect with God. And in that intimate time alone with God, I believe Jesus was able to reorient himself for what was to come next, for the next step of his journey. And in today's story, Jesus took his disciples to the mountaintop for the first time. So the questions that I have are, why did Jesus decide to invite them now? Today's scripture lesson begins with six days later. So I'm asking, what happened six days before? At the end of chapter 16, today was, today's reading was the beginning of chapter 17. So at the end of chapter 16, Jesus told his disciple, disciples that it was now necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, submit to an ordeal of suffering at the hands of religious leaders, be killed, and then on the third day be raised up alive. Hearing this, Peter rebuked Jesus. This must never happen to you. Peter thought he knew what is best, what was best for Jesus. I think we are all very much like Peter. We think we know what is best for us, for our future, and even for our church. And it is, of course, unfair to criticize Peter here. He just did not want to see his favorite teacher suffer and die. And he simply, he simply could not comprehend the idea of the Messiah, the Son of God, being killed. But Jesus took Peter's words seriously. Get behind me, Satan! You have no idea how God works. Then Jesus followed up, followed up by telling all his disciples, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Here Jesus was not just talking about following his footsteps in a general sense as a mentee would, for, uh, would, would follow a mentor, but he was making a clear connection to the journey he was about to take towards Jerusalem, that they were to follow him to a place where he was about to be denied, suffer, and die. Not only was Jesus giving the disciples a heads up on his impending suffering and death, but he was also inviting his disciples to join in his suffering and death, 
to be denied, suffer, and die with him. I'm sure all of the disciples, including Peter, were gravely troubled by this. They were standing at a crossroads where they had to decide, do I continue to follow Jesus to Jerusalem or should I stop here? Or per perhaps some of them were asking themselves a simpler question. Is Jesus really who he says he is, the Son of God? Or is he a fraud? The disciples were at a crossroads, needing to figure out what they were going to do and why they should follow, why they should continue to follow Jesus. I imagine that this is where uh, what they were figuring out inside their heads the next six days, calculating, praying, contemplating why they should continue to follow Jesus. If if the end of this journey was suffering. Maybe they were also pondering about what Jesus meant when he said he would rise up after his death. And this is when Jesus took them to the mountaintop. On the mountaintop, Jesus transfigured before Peter, James, and John. This transfiguration is some kind of a transformation a metamorphosis. The scripture says Jesus' face shone like the sun and his clothes became bright as light. Perhaps Jesus transfigured into his post-resurrection form. And we speculate this because the scripture says later in chapter 28 that the resurrected Jesus' appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. So not only did Jesus transform into his future self, but the figures of the past appeared beside him. Moses and Elijah appeared out of nowhere and started talking with Jesus. Recently, there, ha there have been a lot of interesting visual explorations of what time traveling or a multiverse might look like. All those superhero movies, right? Everything Everywhere, that's one of my favorites. And I like to imagine this is what was happening on the mountaintop, the clashes of past, present, and future, which defies our understanding of time and space. Or maybe this is simply a glimpse of heaven. Who knows? No one knows. But what is the significance of this mysterious moment where the resurrected Jesus, Moses, and Elijah all appeared together? This validates Jesus' identity, his ministry, and his teaching as the promised Messiah, the coming Savior, and the Son of God who came to fulfill the law and the prophets. It is all connected under God's orchestration. How could anyone doubt Jesus' identity after witnessing this transfiguration with their very own eyes? Peter, again Peter, was so amazed that he could not think straight. And the only thing he could think of was to memorialize this amazing event by building a marker to capture this divine revelation for good. He asked, Master, what a great moment. What would you think if I built three memorials here on the mountain, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? 
Peter is just like us. He wanted to capture the one who is beyond time and space into a marker within time and space that we can control. We do this often with our church building, defined by its address and Sunday hours. Once we have a church building, we think we have control over our experience of God. We can feel the presence of God whenever we come into this building. We can do show and tell and invite others inside this building so that they may also experience God's presence. But this often backfires. Instead of having control of time and space, we are often controlled by time and space. A marker like a church building confines our understanding of God's presence, limiting God within a designated time and, sp and a given space. And the un undesired consequence is forgetting to experience God's presence outside our church building. As soon as Peter shared his bright idea, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed the disciples, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. I think this is one of the lessons that today's scripture reading is trying to teach us. God is omnipresent. God is all-present. God is everywhere. God is beyond our understanding of time and space. Through God, heaven and earth collide, and past, present, future meet. God defies our desire to control time and space. God is like this great cloud that overshadowed the disciples like a consuming fire. God's presence is all around us and we are just living in it. And how do we do that? By listening to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and by listening, accepting Jesus' invitation to join his self-denying journey towards the cross. When the disciples were at a crossroads, God revealed God's self in the most obvious, yet the most mysterious way all to affirm Jesus' identity and calling as the promised Messiah, the suffering servant, Savior. And now the disciples knew how to move forward. They knew where they are going and why they should continue to follow. They are refreshed and rejuvenated for the upcoming journey towards Jerusalem and the cross. Whether you are Christians or not, all of us walk this journey called life. Some alone, some with beloved friends, some with communities. What distinguishes us Christians from others is our decision and determination to walk this journey together, together following Jesus Christ. Or as Pastor Spencer put it last week, getting on the boat and traveling with others in the boat. And in our journeys, it is important to visit our mountaintops and crow's nest. We have to keep reminding ourselves who we are, whose we are, where we are, what is ahead, 
and why we are doing this. We have to make that hard work of walking up the mountains or climbing the, towards, towards the crow's nest. We need to remove ourselves from the busyness of our daily lives in order to witness and experience God in the most obvious yet the most mysterious way. This is what spiritual discipline is, repeatedly finding time to connect and commune with God. And it is in these moments of our spiritual discipline where we hear God's voice telling us, this is my son, listen to him. And in these moments, we feel the touch of the Spirit telling us, get up and do not be afraid. In our church calendar, this transfiguration story is strategically placed in between the seasons of Epiphany and the season of Lent. On the crossroads between the two, Peter's shoes, as we are about to embark on this 40-day journey, reminding ourselves why we are accepting Jesus' invitation to join his self-denying journey toward the cross. And in our daily life, each Sunday is our mountaintop and our crow's nest. We come to church to witness the glory of God who transcends our understanding of time and space. We see a glimpse of God's glorious kingdom, and we are reminded of whom we are following and where we are going. And once we leave this building, outside this location and Sunday hours, we continue to walk our faith journey Monday to Saturday, whether it is on green pastures or valleys low, all the while being sensitive to God's presence, who is always with us, no matter what. Peter recalls this transfiguration event in his own letter and writes how his message is not based on cleverly devised myth, but rather he was an eyewitness to Christ's glory, hearing the voice of the Father declare, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Peter was there on the holy mountain with Jesus. Peter heard the voice out of heaven with his very own ears. Peter couldn't be sure of what he saw and heard, God's glory and God's voice. And this is why Peter listened to Jesus, both in person and in spirit. Accordingly, Peter encouraged those who listened to Jesus to support their faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. These are the characteristics we bring down from the mountaintop. These are the characteristics we bring out from the church building. For those who listen to Jesus, these are the fruits we bear when we go back to our daily life, whether on green pastures or valleys low. So, why are you on this journey called Christian faith? What are you looking to gain from this Christian life? Why are you following Jesus who calls us to join him in this 
difficult, self-denying journey toward the cross. Why are you following? Why are you here? Maybe these are the questions you have been pondering and wrestling with for a long time. Maybe you have been standing at a crossroads of faith for a very long time. Maybe you needed a quick reminder as we enter the Lenten season, a time of self-examination, reflection, repentance, fasting, and preparation for the coming Easter. Maybe you needed a divine touch telling us in the intimate voice, get up and do not be afraid. Or maybe you just needed a quick breather from the craziness of daily life. Wherever you are in your own journey, my prayer is that you may witness God's glory in the most obvious yet the most mysterious ways and that you would join our invitation to walk this journey together as one church. Let us pray together. God of grace, sometimes discipleship is too difficult. We see you standing in front of us and we look for glory, heartbreak, and challenge. We get a glimpse of your glory and we are confused, frightened, unsure what to do or say. God of grace made known in Jesus the Christ, in the challenge and in the glory, you call us to look towards you, to listen to you. Grant us the grace and wisdom to watch, to listen, to learn, to follow, and in the end to possibly understand as we join you on the way and as we explore the glorious kingdom with your people. Amen.